Hello, my fans, friends. Welcome to the Rich Terring podcast feed, powered by ACAS Plus. Thanks to everyone who's come to see the Can I Have My Ball Back tour so far. It's been going really well. I've got a four-star review in The Standard, four-star review in The Telegraph, who once called me the worst comedy experience of the year, so that's a turnaround. Uh, people have been coming, people have really been enjoying it, and it's getting better and better. The only gigs this week are both in Pocklington, the town I was born in, near York. Uh, there's a couple of tickets left for the evening show and a few more tickets left for the matinee, I think about 4.30. But love to see you there, Yorkshire. Pop along. Check richardherring.com slash ballback slash tour or richardherring.com slash gigs to see if I'm coming near to you. There are tickets left for nearly every show in the tour. I think Norwich has sold out. Uh, and a couple of gigs in London could do with your support as well. Anyway, please listen to the podcast. Do spread the news about the podcast to your friends. Listen as much as you can. Numbers are slightly down, which may affect the future of this podcast. So just leave it playing, even if you're not in the room. Love you. <laughs> now sit back, relax and enjoy whatever it is you're going to listen to. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome the man who's just completed the pilot script of Square Peg in a Round Hole. This shit writes its stuff. It's Richard Herring! Hello! Oh. Oh, you're much better than last week's audience. Welcome to Richard. It's only for me. Uh, welcome, to Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre podcast. I was all the cool kids are calling it Rahelestapur. Oh, we had some fun this week. It's been amazing. Stuff. Was there anything I didn't do in the last one? Probably not. No. I'll talk to the audience just to get them back into. Got Eugene Toomes is back this week. He loves it. He fucking loves this show. See, if you can't sue us, he's come back. Uh, there's a glade with one with green hair. Imagine you could see this. Uh, look at that. Unbelievable. It's like something from off of Star Trek. If only you'd been there in the first... I wanted to talk about that. When the, there was a green woman when I was with Simon Pegg last week. Uh, it was, at the end of the original Star Trek, it was like a green dancing woman. That could be you. What's your name? Helen. Helen. Hello, Helen. Nice to see you. And what, do you, are you a dancer? You, you're a burlesque dancer. Why? Well, it could be. It could be you. Do you, have you got any green body paint? It'll be a fantastic end to the series if you just came on at the end and did a sort of <laughs> semi-nude, not fully nude, semi-nude dance. Fully nude, if you like. Um, is, this, is this your dad you're with here? 
What's your name, sir? Lee. Are you in the burlesque? Are you a kind of bouncer to get, get rid of guys who come and go, love, you're a chauffeur? <laughs> what do you do? Um, I work for a shelving company. You work for a shelving company? What is the best shelf to get, would you say? I've always wondered. The top shelf, that's good, there's a man. Yeah. That's the best one. Yeah. There's a man to bend over there in the audience. Uh, well, love to meet you. It's Helen, yeah? Yeah, yeah oh, lovely. That's very, very glamorous. It's good. Well, I'll pay you. A, and then this man now, on the other hand, the glamour has left the building. What's your name? Do you work in IT? No. no. Fucking let's, let's, have a, let's sit and chat. Let's have a five-minute chat about your interesting life. What is your name? Martin. Martin, that's a good name. Don't let anyone tell you any different. And uh, what do you do for a living? Everyone's on tenterhooks. I, I work in pension. You work in pensions. <laughs> do you think if a man is 46 years old and he hasn't got a pension, is there anything you can do for him? Never too late. It's never too late to start pension. Don't fucking start. Look at him. <laughs> it is too late. How much would it cost me uh, with my lifestyle, which is basically eating chocolate and drinking? How much a week would I have to pay for a pension starting today? Come on, do your fucking job. I came out here to see some comedy, not organise a pension. I'll sign the... Get the paper out, I'll fucking sign it now. How much is it? How much is it? Just tell me how much it is. £200 a month. Fuck that. Well, I just, I'll just keep the money. What I'm going to do, just sell my house. Yeah, now yeah, yeah. Yeah, fuck you. Fuck you, pensions. Uh, sorry, it's, t- it's, t- it's taken a terrible turn. <laughs> you're very welcome, Martin, to the, to the show. <laughs> I'm sure you're very good at pensions. And there's a beardy, there's a kind of cool bearded man here drinking a Foster's lager. That's how cool he is. Uh, actually, I was kind of try- only, uh, trying to get sponsorship for the the podcast. You don't work for Foster's, do you? Because I can't imagine you'd be drinking it otherwise. Uh, this, this is why I can't get sponsorship. What, what's your name? Bevan. Bevan? Yeah. This is getting fucking great now. I might just fucking flick off this uh, guest I've got. Yeah, flick off. I'm going to flick him off. <laughs> and then talk to you. And what do you do for a living, Bevan? I'm a lawyer. You're a lawyer. Have I said anything so far in either this or the previous podcast that you think I could be sent to prison for? I am taking notes. You're taking notes. Lawyers, pensions. I'm like you, mate. Shelves. Doing something. It's useful, isn't it? That's pension. You, know, you might not ever get to use it. You might die. Shelf. Gonna use that. Can use that straight away, can't you? Exotic burlesque dancing. Use that straight away. <laughs> is it? Is it exotic? Was it? Was it fair to say exotic? Depends where you are. Oh, look at look at that, that face there. Okay, so, <laughs> so I'm, I'm sorry. It's getting close. it's near the end of the, it's near the end. Don't worry, sir. There's a man. There's a businessman in his suit and tie there. I'll just get you one before we go. <laughs> you come from work, sir? Uh, it's not you. You're, you could it could have been you, but you're lucky. You've escaped. It's him. Um, uh, what 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 business are you working in, sir? Before you, it it. <laughs> Do you work in IT? No. What do you do? I work for the police. You work for the police? Fuck you. <laughs> I have not... Uh, ben uh, Evans, who's 12, was in my dressing room earlier, but we, there was no point we were left alone in there. I did not. 
terrible working in entertainment now. Uh, and talking of paedophiles, will you please... <laughs> Definite paedophiles, will you please... <laughs> well, we won't find out for a few years, but... De- we all knew... <laughs> He was in the toilet. He might not have come back again. I hope he's there. There's some, there's some movement. I'm hoping he's there. He's best known. The, the audience actually don't know who this is. I don't, some of them don't know who it is, which is quite exciting. Uh, he's best known as Man with Broken Leg in Run, Fat Boy Run. Yeah, the pennies dropped. He was a CTU staffer in 24. The, like, proper American proper TV... Will you please welcome, if he's there and if he has not left because of what I just said, <laughs> Stephen Merchant, ladies and gentlemen. It's Stephen Merchant. <laughs> Stephen Merchant. <laughs> I mean, look at him, though. Yeah. <laughs> Come on in. Pull up, pull up a mic. Hello. This is why your BBC One chat only lasted one episode. <laughs> Funnily enough, your first guest was Jimmy Savile, but you didn't realise. <laughs> Definite paedophile. <laughs> Definite paedophile. It's not like there's not even a shadow of a doubt. It's funny with Jimmy Savile because I, funny enough, I was, I was, I was. <laughs> I was in the States when uh, the Jimmy Savile thing was happening here, and, and on the Daily Show, the John Stewart's Daily Show, they, they reported on the Jimmy Savile thing. And of course, American audiences had never seen Jimmy Savile. They'd never seen a picture of him. So they just, so John Stewart, all he had to do was be like, this, this is a man that no one in England realised was a paedophile. And they just showed a picture, audience laughing for five minutes. Of course he was a kiddie fiddler. And why was he being given keys to, like, hospitals and prisons to just, like, run them? Like, what? But, like, even if he was legitimately not a kid, even, why are you giving him keys to prisons and hospitals? He had his own office in a hospital. Jimmy, are you a doctor? No, I'm just a bloke with some jewellery. Have a key. Um, it, was, it was different times. It was happier times. There were more innocent times. And what was amazing was the way that, like, suddenly every kind of 70s entertainer was talking about... Like, so I suddenly I saw a column and it was in the sun and it just had, um, Eric Bristow, I hated Rod Hull. And just, like, everyone suddenly mouthing off. When Paul Daniels is the only legitimate person... He's the, he's the most noble man of the 70s. Paul Daniels. Anyway, sorry, you were going to ask. Yeah, well, I'm just chat, it's fine. Um, do, do you remember much about uh, Run, Fat Boy, Run? which I would say is Simon Pegg's worst film. Um, yeah, I was, I was Man With Broken Leg. I was Man With Broken Leg. Yeah. And um, they asked me if I would do it. Yeah. There was a little moment in time where I was sort of, I was going to be in every Pegg film with no lines <laughs> right. as such. And I was in Hot Fuzz, like, looking for a swan. Man looking for a swan, man with broken leg. Uh, and then it ran out of steam, they didn't want me to <laughs> <laughs> there was a moment in time where it could have been a great thing, like an insider showbiz thing. And no. Did it feel like it was going to be a hit? Run, Fat Boy, it was run, actually maybe? pretty successful, Run, Fat Boy, Run. I know it was. It yeah. was. No, it did all right. Yeah, it was directed by uh, Ross from Friends. Oh, yes, it was. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. David Schwimmer. We didn't, we didn't have to call, yes, <laughs> call, call me. Could you just call me Ross? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be really weird. 
And what about uh, 24? That must have, it's a similar thing where you're in the background in 24. <laughs> is this what you mainly yeah. do? Is it because you wrote extras? People think that you'll, you'll do it. You'll well, do I, it. yeah, you'll be an extra. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just, um, I was just, I sort of got to know the, the guy that created 24 and I was visiting the set because I was a fan and then he said, put on this shirt and tie <laughs> and have this woman hand you a floppy disk. Those were the days. <laughs> and um, that was what happened, yeah. And then I'm just sat there and I imagined that I was setting up like a Jack Bauer Facebook page. That's like how I imagine, like a, just a blog. He didn't have time to write it himself, so it was just me writing Jack Bauer's blog. Yeah. Oh, good. So um, that's it. So I've got. Thanks, mate. No, thanks for coming. It's uh, Steve Merchant off of the telly. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe you're here. Uh, I want to tell you about before we get on into anything else. I think the first thing I have to. Uh, there's so much about you on Dirty Britcom Confessions. Oh yeah. Um, We've, we've turned to a few a few times in this podcast. Yeah. Uh, these are... I mean, I think these are genuine things. I don't know if they're jokes. Uh, Simon was asking whether they, they were real or maybe you were asking whether they were real or whether they were jokes. I think they're real fantasies. This is real fantasies. Of right. people. Uh, here's one of yours. I want Stephen Merchant to fuck me with his size 14 feet. <laughs> <laughs> That's really distressing. That's... I mean... I sure, think fine. I mean, beggars can't be choosers. What's the number? Is there a number on there? <laughs> There's no contact details. Do you have size 14 feet? Size 14 feet, yeah. yeah. I'm not going to ask you if you've seen a Bigfoot, because you'll just say, I've got big feet, and that'll be the end of that. Yeah, you would pr- that's a shame for you, and you had that one ready. Had that, you had that yeah, one that primed in the... Size 14. Is that worry you that that person knows the exact size it of It is a feet? bit weird, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, how do they know that? Do they want the shoes on or off? But I'm fucking them with the sh- feet. It might be a man, or it might be in a man's anus, I'm guessing. Oh, why is it... Go- I was just going to wank him off. Why have I got a- Why have I suddenly got to stick my foot in his anus? That's just so... Do you go in sideways, or... And then turn? I don't know. Like a corkscrew effect? I've got very tiny ladies-like feet. That's I've got really size distressing. I've got half my, seat, my feet. Or maybe wear them. those, like, kind of like, a, like an old sort of oldie jester's yeah. shoe, yeah, like easy. a girl. It might be just I want to fuck him with, you know, not... In with, with his, his feet. With yeah. his size yeah. feet. <laughs> right. Okay, that's one of them. Uh, I would... <laughs> I would like Stephen Merchant to fuck me methodically. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> against the stacks in a library. <laughs> against the stacks in a library. Yeah, methodically as well. Yeah, this, you, you have you've a, got a very yeah. specific image now of this person yeah. who sort of probably works in a library. Yeah. Someone who's a big fan of the Dewey Decimal System <laughs> and just thinks we we could fuck this up for an afternoon and then put it back in order again. Obviously. <laughs> I um I remember years ago I. Because uh, that fantasy, uh, the image that immediately came into my head is there's a scene in the fi- in the film version of Atonement, right? Where um, they're they're shagging in a library. I don't know whether that person had seen that. Mm. There's James McAvoy and Kira Knightley are getting it on quite heavily in a in a library, and I remember that image because I, even now, I mean that what that film came out like a couple of years ago, and I was watching that film with my parents, kind of at <laughs> Christmas time. We got the DVD of it. And even now, I still have that discomfort of when a sex scene comes on in a film. Like, I'm, like thir- I'm almost 40. My parents are in their mid-60s, and we're sat there watching it. And it's quite a nice film. It's quite sort of pastoral to start with. And then, like, about like 20 minutes in, there's a letter being written on a typewriter, and the word cunt comes up. <laughs> like, just, you're a cunt. And I remember, what, I remember thinking, like, I, I should start planning an escape now. Like, I didn't, I didn't think it through, but I should have seen it coming. 
And suddenly they, they go into the library and I'm thinking, don't do it, Kira, don't, McAvoy, don't. And, and we're all sat there and we could, it's like the whole family knows what's brewing. And we're just sat like that. And then she just starts, and they start kind of, and it's like, the books are like rattling and that. And honestly, I just, I, I, I have this thing where I have to make conversation that suggests I'm not interested in the sex in any way. So I'm just, we're just watching this and they're shagging the library and I just went, that's a lovely bookcase. <laughs> what do you think that's made of? Because I need a bookcase. What is that? Like a wall? Is that a walnut? <laughs> this, is the, this is the guy to ask. This is the guy. You're, that's your, I bet that's your favourite scene, isn't it? That's your ultimate fantasy, that. You just put out, look at that one. He's just going, those shelves would never stay up. That is, those are fake shelves. Um, well, might they? I think if you said, whoever liked, fancy that was with you saying, oh, look at that bookcase, they're going to be very happy that we're playing in the background. Um, do you want some more? Sure, I think so. I want to give Stephen Merchant a back rub <laughs> with a cone of ice cream. <laughs> a lot of yours are very sweet, I have to say. It was hard to find, there's a lot of them, and I, but uh, to, I, I want to give a back rub with a cone of ice cream. I'm guessing ice cream down. Otherwise, it won't be so nice. What do you mean, uh, ice cream? What does ice cream down? Well, you know, rather than the cone going... Cause if you give a back rub with the cone, that's just sort of semi-stabbing you with the... Right. So I'm guessing it's that. They've got the cone, and they've turned it upside down, and then using the cone to using manipulate the ice, the ice cream. cream. The danger of the ice cream will just fall out. But they've got the cone... When they're giving of... me a back rub, am I stood up at this point? <laughs> Are they, have they climbed me like a tree? I think someone else does want to climb you like a there tree. Are, of course. Of course you um, it's, uh, Of course. I think you're on. I think you're. I think you're lying down because I don't. I think otherwise it would just the ice cream would just plop off like a like a sort of. Are you sure when it's a back rub with an ice cream, she's not having an ice cream <laughs> no. with one hand and just a slight <laughs> massage with the other, but sort of focus more on the ice cream, maybe the double co- the double cone. Yeah, I think it's eroticism because because uh, it says I back rub with the cone of ice cream to watch him squirm and whine. I don't know if you would. I'd just go, what are you doing? Yeah. I, I kind of find that kind of stuff just a bit embarrassing. I'm very, I am, ironically, very vanilla in my sexual no, I, yeah, preferences. Sure. And I find just anything when it gets a little bit like, just think, oh, But that's just such a, like, it's such a non-fantasy, that. Like, it's sort of, I'm annoyed that that's the best they can come up with. Because I'm filthy. I mean, I would go berserk on this person. Do you know what I mean? No, I'd be a, it would be an absolute disgrace, the kind of things. And that's the best that this him or her has come up with. It but annoys me. Is you face down as well? It's just your back. I'm just, I may as well be asleep. It's... <laughs> and then they want to lick. Oh, well, no, I'm interested. <laughs> lick the ice cream off. Um, and then just a couple more, and then we'll move. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, the day, I just sort of realised there are some people out there who just are getting off on me reading out sexual fantasies involving <laughs> disgusting people. <laughs> My first sex dream starred... <laughs> star- <laughs> My first sex <laughs> starred Stephen Merchant with lady bits. <laughs> wow, there's so many questions. I just want to know who the other p- actors in the but I've dream only, were, the, the non-stars. I've only been around for a while. Like, I haven't been on TV very long, so like, presumably this person's not very old. Like, because your first sexual when is that? Like, I mean, you probably had it when you were like seven or something. There was. You're I was just, very young. Yeah, I saw Shan Andalus, uh, and uh, the, there was a lady with a breast being fondled when I was four, and I enjoyed that. The ants all over the guy's hands. And I've just got lady bits. Yeah. 
like a like a I'm just holding some lady bits. <laughs> I think you've got this. You I've with, got me with you with a beard, breasts, uh, right, and a vagina. But the penis and the vagina. Uh, yeah, and a slightly smaller anus than you have. <laughs> a slightly daintier anus than you have at the moment. <laughs> they don't specify that, but that's what I'm. I think I think it'd wreck it if it was you with breasts, a vagina, and a man's anus, big gaping man's anus. I think the anus has to be similarly reduced. Who listens to this fucking podcast? I mean, with Peg, you had some civilised questions about his film career. We've talked about paedophiles, <laughs> tiny anus eye, ain't I? <laughs> and I'll leave you this one. I'd leave my husband in a heartbeat if Stephen Merchant so much as glanced in my direction. That's a terrible... <laughs> Is that person here? <laughs> you have to be careful where you glance. You can be breaking yeah. up marriages. You're yeah, like yeah, a yeah. kind of anti-marriage Medusa. You're that a divorce a... Medusa. That lawyer's suddenly fucking perked up now. He's got, you can break up marriages that easily. Uh, good. So, you've done some podcasts before. Uh, Not like this. They haven't, they, haven't, they haven't done all that well. Uh, so, <laughs> were you annoyed when you did the podcast with... Uh, Ricky and, and Carl, and they were televised and car- turned into cartoons, that that was then called the Ricky Gervais Show. No, the podcasts were called the Ricky Gervais Show as well. Yeah, but, yeah. but that's annoying, then. It, because... Well, not really, because it was, like, it was a cunning marketing ploy. <laughs> because people knew who he was and had no idea who either of us were, and so it seemed like... Not even the main one in it, I wouldn't say. Well, the main one's obviously Carl, but yeah. we'd said there's the Carl Pilkington Show... Before Carl was known, <laughs> who's tuning into that? The Carl Pilgrim show, amazing. I've never heard it. So, They're very good, though. Thank you. I'd, I'd actually never, well, I'd never heard a podcast before I started doing podcasts. I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but I've seen those on TV. We enjoy those. Are you going to do some more of those? No. No. It's easy. You don't even have to do anything. They're already recorded. Too expensive have, to make. You have to get some dude to draw no, people. Yeah, exactly. It takes forever. Can't take long. Yeah, no, it takes forever. Yeah. Can't did a good take job. Long. Did a great job. Just yeah. choose the same piece of picture all over and over again, isn't it? It's like a Hanna-Barbera cartoon where the backgrounds go in and it's a It's just the sort of effort you put into things, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> just do the same thing again. <laughs> 25 years. <laughs> Got so 20, far. 25 years and, and the cop jokes are still working. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get on to that later. The people are fucking sitting on the edge of their seats waiting for the answer to that one. Is it possible? Who knows? <laughs> Let's talk about your latest uh, TV show. All That's right. what you've seen. There you go. Now you're happy. <laughs> uh, are you fucking happy now, Merchant? <laughs> uh, which is called Hello, Ladies. That's right. And is on HBO and Sky Atlantic. Yeah. If you're in the UK, which, let's face it, you are. Yep. Uh, so, uh, uh, it's, it's quite interesting because I saw uh, this, you came back to do, start doing stand-up a few years ago. Yes, and you were very supportive of that, and I appreciate it, and you well, gave me lots of gigs, and you were very... Yeah, but it was very good. exciting to see you back doing stand-up. A lot of this stuff then became the show, Hello Ladies, right. that you were working on, and then that's turned into an HBO sitcom. Yeah, yeah. 
Yes. Well, I'd done stand-up years before. I'd done stand-up like um, in the kind of when I first left university, and uh, and then uh, as you know, you know, it's it's hard, and you just you're slogging up and down the motorway, and it's you're travelling around all the time. And, and then when the office and things happened, I just there was no reason to carry on. Sort of it didn't, in my mind, it didn't seem like sensible to carry on, and I never really enjoyed it particularly. I was sort of doing it because my heroes were stand-ups, as opposed to sort of doing it because it was you know in my blood. And so I just stopped. And then a couple of years ago, I thought. I don't know, it felt like I sort of had unfinished business with stand-up, and obviously you can, you can make silly money from it, and put a DVD out and stuff, and so, um, still available. Um, and, uh, so... Uh, Maybe this myself, no, for, that, for that fucking Welsh bloke you met. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, so it was, it just seemed like it was something worth going back into and dabbling with. Yeah. And my old act, I tried doing it when I came up, my old act that I did before I was on TV and stuff was where I was like, a, I was kind of a, I was a, a comedian who thought, I would come on as myself, but no one knew who I was, and I would come on and be angry that they didn't know who I was. Yeah. And I, the idea was that I was like, I thought I was a real big shot, specifically just outside Bristol. <laughs> and like, within the kind of 10 mile radius of Bristol, I was huge. But obviously, wherever I played, unless I was 10 miles out of Bristol, no one knew who I was. And so I would get angry. I'd come on and be like, you know, why are you giving me attitude? And so I'd go off. And it was one of those sort of anti-comedy things where I never got to the act. I keep promising an act that never shows up. And I, and I keep promising this Pringles joke. I'm going to do a joke there about Pringles. <laughs> It'll blow your mind. It'll blow your fucking mind, all right? And then I would sort of get to the end, like, 20 minutes and be really angry and sort of begrudgingly do the joke about Pringles, which was... Um, uh, the slogan for Pringles is "Once you pop, you can't stop." But if that's the case, why have they got a re- why have they got a resealable lid? <laughs> and uh, so we'd get that kind of response, and then I'd go, and then I go, oh, "Fuck this shit!" And then I would leave anger. I'd say, "I'm going to leave now." Clap, and I'm going to walk off the stage, and I would just put the microphone back and just like leave. And I'd walk off the stage, and they'd leave, it, and they would clap, and it would sort of go quiet. And then I would just walk back out again and just go. You can't get out that way. <laughs> it was great. It was the most fun I've ever had on the stage, and just see the, and then just have to make my way through the audience and make it really painful. And then I tried doing that when I, once I'd been on TV, and they were like, "Why are you being so mean? <laughs> we know you, we know who you are." So, um, so I had to change it all from scratch. Yeah. What is best, Wookie Hole or Cheddar Caves? <laughs> well, I've never been to Cheddar Caves. You never been? been you never been to Cheddar Caves? And the problem with Wookie Hole is that. I went there on a school trip, but I, every school trip, everything that I saw on a school trip is coloured by the fact that all the people that I was on a school trip with hated everything. You know what I mean? So, like, Wookie Hole, shit, this is shit. This is shit. And then you go and, like, see Macbeth. This is shit. This is bullshit. And so, like, there's nothing I enjoyed when I was a kid because you weren't allowed to ever enjoy something. And at Wookie Hole, isn't there, like... I'm sure there's a thing that you can go in a room where a woman shows you how to make paper. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. Which, which That's I, what it's got over cheddar. Cheddar doesn't have right. that. And I remember thinking that was really interesting, and obviously everyone thought, this is shit. <laughs> you know, it's just paper, and it's shit. And so um, I had to suppress the fact that I liked learning yeah. at school. Like, I could never tell anyone. It's like the Battle of the Somme when you're at school. Like, in my school, anyway, you just had to keep running, and your friends were getting knocked down, bullied... Torture, and you just had to keep running and pretend you didn't know. You could never agree that you liked anything or that this might be useful one day. So that's. <laughs> I was reading my. I was just because I'd just been to Vienna, and I was. I knew I'd been to Vienna before, but I could remember nothing about it. So I went back to my year off diary that I'd kept, and it was all about going to Vienna, and going. It was all a bit shit, and yeah. I didn't know there was nothing. And then I went, went to Salzburg. I saw the birthplace of Mozart. It was rubbish. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like. <laughs> 
dismissed. Yeah. This 18 year old walking around going, We talked to this guy in the UFOS, he was boring. <laughs> just but dismissing yeah. everything. But, like, what, what is impressive to, to teenagers? Is there anything? I'm terrified of teenagers <laughs> because I just, you can't reason with them. They're like zombies or like Muslim fundamentalists. Do you know what I mean? Like, you can't. They have no reason. You can't go, no, wait, wait, listen, this is beautiful. Beautiful. You beat him. Just beat the guy to death. I was driving back to my house, and I, and I, um, and I was just driving, and I saw my, my garage. <laughs> I live in North London. It's not an unpleasant area. I was driving in. This wasn't very long ago. And just a kind of gang of ne'er-do-wells were just, like, in the street, just lingering in the street. And, and I sort of slowed down, and they kind of looked at me through the... Glass, just like, uh, like this is our territory, you know, West Hampstead. Yeah. <laughs> and then they sort of they separated to like graciously let me through. And then and I pulled up outside my garage, and I looked back, and they were sort of looking at me, and they didn't know who I was. They didn't, they didn't, they recognised me. They just were like, and then I had to get out to unlock the garage door, and they started running towards me, just like like zombies. It was terrifying, and I was like just trying to get the door out. They got in, I got in, and I slammed it closed as they came out. And they were like hammering on the outside. Like in a horror film, making noises, drinking beer. And, and I just cowered in my garage. But not because, not because I couldn't... There was an exit. I could go up to the, sort of, to the house through a back exit. I just was cowering because I, my car that I had, when you press the lock, it honks the horn. And I just didn't want to give them the satisfaction of honking the horn. Because I knew they'd go like, they'd go, Oh, horn! Or something. <laughs> I just, I just didn't want... Like, I was terrified of being bullied through a door. <laughs> so I just cowered for 45 minutes until they ebbed away. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm so pathetic. <laughs> I must take you to Cheddar Caves. If you want to come sometime, it's really good. Yeah, you like it. Yeah. Um, you can stay at my mum and dad's. You, you know, I don't even have to come... They'll, they'll put you up. They're nice. And what's at Cheddar Caves if there's not? If, is there, there's no. There's no it's making paper. paper. We don't need paper because we've got like good caves and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, well, there is cheese, but that's made in one place. It's not really ever made in Cheddar. There's one place up the gorge that makes it though. It's more of a tourist thing. We don't take it that. We don't, the locals don't take it that serious. <laughs> there's a couple of caves. These used to be our caves. All the tourist caves <laughs> ruined our caves. Jacob's Ladder. You go up Jacob's Ladder, which is like some stairs, some steps. <laughs> And then there's a tower you can look at but over the this, this is the British. This is the British tourist attraction, isn't it? Like this sums up the British tourist attraction is is a cave and a ladder. You know, there's Disneyland in America. We've got a cave, and then my my sister sent me a leaflet for Diggerland. It's just some diggers in a field. Yeah, there are wow. some big Diggerland fans. There's a barometer world in uh, barometer Dorset. World. <laughs> I've only got the uh, leaflet for. I've never been in. It's got. It says parking for up to three cars. <laughs> But that's always been enough. They've never needed more. <laughs> barometer world. A world. I mean, it's a grand... I mean, at best, barometer shed, you'd imagine. Some barometers. Yeah, some barometers. Four barometers. Four similar barometers. That's what it should oh, be called. Ah, oh, good. I love the West Country. <laughs> um, I'm going to ask you... I forgot, so I apologise, Ben Evans. I did not have your... Uh, Question for Simon Pegg in the first half. I hadn't seen it, so I, I can't can ask answer. Simon Pegg. How do you think Simon Pegg was chosen to play the amazing role of Thompson in the new Tintin film? Just <laughs> knew, knew the people involved. Yeah, probably. Yeah. His I question... That, I think that probably is the answer. <laughs> I think that is the answer. <laughs> uh, I think Steven Spielberg was involved. There you are. Probably made him at a party or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's how it happens. That's how it happens. That's how it happens. Um, ben Evans asks, he's here in the audience tonight, slightly cowering from the memories of what happened to him. Uh, <laughs> I've never revealed it, not for like 30 years. Um, <laughs> Why do they keep it shunned for so long, these, people, these victims? Why don't they just come out with it straight There's away? a backlog, they say, but then they go, sorry, we're dealing with 30 years Oh, that's ago. what it is, right, yeah. right, right, right. We'll get you in good time. <laughs> good time. <laughs> Uh, ben Evans asks, and I love this because I've not seen this and I wouldn't have uh, been able to ask you this, but I would have liked to ask you this. And I'm going to read it in the tone of voice that I think it should be read in. Are you proud to be the voice everyone knows on the adverts for Barclays and Waterstones? Are you proud of that? Are you well, proud? Are you proud of yourself? Well, uh, <laughs> That's what Ben Evans, it's not me, it's Ben Evans' question. Thank you, Ben, yeah. Um, Are you proud of that? Bloody Paxman in the audience. <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, I, I, A, I haven't done either of those for many, many years. Well, maybe not years, but certainly, well, yeah, well, years. Well, you're not proud of the office. You didn't do the office for a long time. You know, saying you're not proud of the office. Uh, Still the, be proud of something amazing you did four or five years ago. The thing, the thing with the, um, the, thing with the, uh, the Barclays adverts is yeah. that I, I sort of had this rather naive thing, because my first bank account was with Barclays, <laughs> and they gave me this, like, quite nice plastic folder. I mean, then, not, not when I did the voice service. That's not... <laughs> That's not what's swallowing for me. <laughs> we can't afford money, but look at this. There's a slot for your checkbook. <laughs> and um, so I had this kind of rather cosy image of it, you know, like as a kind of high street, this high street thing where you'd go and they'd give you, you know, like, and when I was growing up, like, there, there was the one with the little pigs they would give you. And, yeah. So I think I just naively was like blindly went into it thinking, yeah, it's just, you know, it's just like a high street thing, like, you know, curries or whatever. I think Ben likes it. I think he's saying he's proud. I think he should be, should be proud. But I was actually, uh, when you'd stopped doing it, I was asked if I would go and audition to do it. Yeah. I've just said no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, but you don't, you don't realise that, you know, as far as you know, I took my parents on a beautiful cruise around the world with the money from that ad. Could do that with the money you got from the office. Uh, so, <laughs> I'd already, I'd already, I'd already taken them on a on a wonderful transatlantic uh, cruise. I was going the other way round this time, which is what they'd always wanted. So we will rackets. I've never taken them on a cruise. <laughs> I could have done, yeah. and I might still do. Uh, talking of the office, it may be your most famous thing after. The run, fat boy run thing. Um, what I think the genius of The Office was, was that you put a Tim from The Office in it. <laughs> I think that was... You were the first, probably the first people to think of doing that. And a lot of people have then subsequently copied that idea. Sure. But you were the first... What, what gave you the idea to put a Tim from The Office in The Office? <laughs> well... We, uh, we'd created a show with an office in it yeah. and, and a character of Tim mm. and we needed someone to fill that role right. and the obvious choice was, was Tim from The Office. <laughs> so we popped him in there. Could have been more successful, could have, couldn't it, that, that show? If you'd put a... Put a Shrek. If you'd put a Shrek in it. Um, so... Uh, <laughs> Ever get tired of your catchphrases? Uh, so, <laughs> I, I really want to remake everything that Tim from The Office has done subsequently, but he is Tim from The Office in it. Would you have any problem if I... I've had to go to Goodnight Sweetheart and ask him if I can do stuff for Goodnight Sweetheart. Would you have any problem... And I have to get the permission of the people who put Sherlock together first. 
if I redid Sherlock exactly the same as it was, except that Tim from the office is Tim from the office. I think it'd be brilliant. Yeah, yeah, I would love that. Yeah, it'd be good. Yeah. Good. So you're happy. That is a. There's a lawyer in the audience. Is that? Does that? Is that a binding contract? Mm, he's not sure. They, they liked, they, lawyers don't like to just go, yeah, that's okay, because they don't get any money then. <laughs> so they'll, they'll make us sign loads of different contracts for it. I don't think my giving the thumbs up is, is going to be the thing that swings it for you, though. You may have other problems. Yeah. Well, it's the start. It's just see. the starting point of doing it. Yeah. What I'm quite interested in about The Office is in, in its... Uh, it kind of was quite a slow burner. Right. And I'd heard that the BBC Two executives did not really like it, is that, to begin with, the, the controller of BBC Two, this is a story I heard, and I don't like it because she cancelled our show, so this is, oh, right, okay. I'll, I'll lay that out first of all, uh, but I'd heard she's going, she just thought, oh, this is, I don't get it, it's not funny, and then it started getting really good reviews and stuff, and then she went, oh, well, look at us, we invented the office, would you say that was true? It, I, in all honesty, I don't know if that's true, because they kept us, they kept us insulated from the opinions of the executives of the BBC. We never really found out. Uh, the only thing that leaked out was that they had tested it in front of audiences and it had got the lowest score ever. The only, no, the only thing that had got a, a lower score was, was women's bowls. <laughs> Which I didn't even know they televised, but apparently they did. But men's bowls was a smash. Men's bowls was a smash. <laughs> that was a smash. That used to be in the place of uh, Strictly Come Dancing, if, if, if you remember. Uh, so I don't know if she, if she uh, liked it or not, yeah. but uh, I can't, so I, can't, I cannot use information I have to fuel your <laughs> hatred. But I think it's quite interesting, because a lot... In fact, this happened to a lot of big shows that become very... Only Fools and Horses, they showed it for a series. Right. It wasn't very successful. No one, no, no one saw it. No one right. really reviewed it. Then the, the, something like the Olympics was cancelled or whatever. <laughs> They couldn't yeah, show it's the Olympics. that famous 1982 so, Olympics. They cancelled. <laughs> they cancelled that year. There's something. Oh, there was an alien invasion or something. Oh no, that was yeah. me. <laughs> there, there was me. But they showed it again, and then it was it was yeah. massive. So, which sort of was and that, that happens. Sort of, a lot. That's very right. And I think that happens a lot with things. And I think you know, unfortunately, now you, you don't get the time to let things breathe in that way. But yeah, I mean, but also I think with sitcoms, you know, you need the reason that they they work is because people get to know the world and the characters, and they and then it, the jokes start to make more sense once you sort of understand who these people are and what makes them tick and everything. And, and, and you know, it's, it's, a bit like, it's a bit like sort of, I don't know, you know, if you judge it on a, on a pilot episode, it's like judging a book literally on the first chapter or judging a film on, like, the first 30 minutes. Like, I mean, I know we do that, but, you know, like, you'd be quite... There's a number of films that, you'd, that wouldn't make a lot of sense if you switched them off, you know, before they get going. Yeah. And so um, I think it's very unfortunate that a lot of things don't get that chance anymore. And we certainly wouldn't have survived. I think nearly everything that I really love, the first time I saw it, I really didn't like it at all. Right. And I think even The Office might be included sure, in that. Yeah. But I really do. I, mean, I, I actually really love the American version of it, I think more than the, at least sort of the first four or five series of it, then it sort of goes a little bit awry, I think. Right. Uh, but, it, they, you know, it's quite... It's, it's such an amazing, interesting idea, and that, I think they take it to another level in the Absolutely. in terms of doing so many episodes. Is what I mean. I yeah, think, you know, I think that they kind of concentrate on the peripheral characters a bit more, don't they? I mean, how much did you have to do with the American version of it? Now that I've just said the last three series of it were shit. Uh, well, um, <laughs> not shit. not uh, not. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't involved heavily, no. you know. But uh, I mean, I think uh, for me, like I I'd seen a lot of kind of other shows that they tried to transfer. 
in the past, and they hadn't been successful. And I think part of that reason was that they, the, the original creators from England had tried to do the American version. Yeah. And that seemed foolish to me because I'd never worked in an American office. And we think they're kind of similar, but actually there's so many things that are... Like, that, oh, I didn't realise that in America they, never, they don't have pub quizzes. Right. Like a pub quiz is such a British thing. You yeah. know, they don't have that in France or anywhere else. And so it's sort of odd that, you know, things like that, that you would just assume, you know, are kind of universal. Uh, that's not the sole reason the show was a success in America. Because <laughs> they removed the pub quiz episode. <laughs> but, um, but you know what I mean? Like, it seemed important to kind of let American people do a version of it with yeah. American sensibilities, which is what we did. So I sort of take pride in, uh, in Ricky and I not being involved. Yeah. That's... The, that's by graciously not doing anything <laughs> and just taking their money, we, we helped it show succeed. But I think it's a rare case. It's off, nearly always that is a disaster when, when people take, you know, either, either way. Uh, the only one that really worked was Who's the Boss Becoming... Uh, <laughs> I can't remember what it was called now, damn. Uh, it, was, it would have been a brilliant reference that one person got. Uh, do you remember Who's the Boss with Tony Danza? No. Yeah, absolutely. One person gets it, okay. and then that became. Then they did it with one of the McCann brothers. It was called Home to Root. Was what? The Upper Hand. Do you remember the Upper Hand? No. Nope. <laughs> That's why that is a successful piece of observational <laughs> comedy. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally, for most people, are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I think we need an emergency question. It's the one that the audience are burning to hear the answer to. All right. Stephen Merchant from Off of the Office. Have you ever tried to suck your own cock? <laughs> I did a big serious bit in the middle there yeah. about the office for you. Yeah. And now you have to do... People will get edgy if there's not yeah. cock stuff in there. <laughs> I have never attempted to suck my own penis. Yeah. However... No. <laughs> uh, I'm quite nervous around my penis. I don't, I don't like getting involved down there. I, no, I'll tell you why. Because I... I I don't know if it's big or... I don't know what size it is in relation to what size it should be. Right. I just, I'm anxious about it, because I'm very tall. You would assume it should be large. Yeah. And I don't know if it's, like... I can't tell when I look. It seems smaller than it should, but I don't know if that's just because, like, things are just, like, weird in the mirror, or if you're looking down at it, whether it... Yeah. And also, like... I don't really know. I don't want to type in what size should a penis be. <laughs> if you're six foot seven, that seems kind of a strange question to ask. So I'm generally uncomfortable about... Like, once I remember at university, 
I, I, I was drunk and I was in the toilets in, a, in the uni, student union and my friend was in there and I sort of drunkenly went and I tried to pee on his shoes and he went ah your penis is really small and that freaked me out for years that, like I've never really recovered from that but then subsequently I've you know on occasions when, when people have seen it doctors nurses <laughs> prostitutes they, <laughs> No one's ever laughed openly or, like, maybe they've written about it on blogs or in diaries or on that website. But I, I, so I don't know yeah. what its status currently is. So I, the idea of trying to suck it and then finding out, like, that everyone else can suck their cops yeah. would be really distressing to me. But years ago, I, one of the things before the office, I went to America to interview porn stars. And I interviewed Ron Jeremy. And Ron Jeremy can, uh, apparently that was his thing. I never saw one of his films, but apparently you can, you, he can suck his own penis. Yes. Uh, are you aware of this? I've uh, heard that. I've not seen it either. <laughs> yeah. I have seen people, other p- pictures of other people doing it. Yeah. But I haven't seen pictures. Did you see this when you were younger, or did you, oh, did you No, I've done I'll, 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 If you're worried about the size of your penis, I'll give you a copy of my book, Talking Cock. Right. And, uh, and then you can... You'll and this find is out all discussed it. in there, oh, is yeah. it? yeah. Yeah, it's quite. Uh, a oh yeah, he says. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you should, why don't you know this? Everyone knows. Serious yeah. treaties on the subject of the penis. Of the penis it's very, yeah. You know, I find by approaching it with humour, we get to interesting places. So who would have thought that this question <laughs> made you open up about your penis size? Yeah. This is so going to be on the front page of the Daily Mirror. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but I, it's like com- comed- comedian worried if he's not great in bed. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> Lanky, goggly-eyed <laughs> merchant, six foot seven. If you want to go and measure it now and come back and whisper in my ear what, how big it is, I'll yeah. tell you if that is normal or whether Well, I don't know how big it is because I've never measured well, it. Well, measure it. <laughs> Get a ruler. Why didn't they 12 Well, backstage, long? you just keep a ruler <laughs> and your little creepy notebook. That's Why? all you've got. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you've got back there. I'll what is what? that on the fridge? It's like some <laughs> kind of... It's like Hitler's diary. What is that? <laughs> Slytherin is oh, a Slytherin geez. notebook. Um, if you like, you can measure... We can. Use measure them together. <laughs> measure them together. I know how long mine is. Oh, you know and so we can measure. And do you measure them when it's erect or is it a flaccid? Oh, yeah, erect. erect. You know, but how? Are, like fully erect? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you can get fully erect. <laughs> fully erect. Do I have to be as full as it? As full as bloody. You need a full Jacob's ladder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, disrespecting. Just, all I really want to do is just put my penis against your penis. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, touch against this. This will be on this sure. side. Uh, <laughs> is yours? Is yours? Of, is yours quite, 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 quite a... Well, you know, because I'm, I'm the advantage I have over you for once in my life is that I'm quite a, a right. short guy, right? And quite chunky guy. So you know, you, see, so, this is the thing. You only need a short. You yeah. need a relatively short penis, and it'll look great. Exactly. Because you're a tall man like that. You need a super long penis. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Which is unfair. Yeah, and you obviously haven't got that. There you are. <laughs> there you are. I love how excited you are about that. <laughs> like you've won in some weird com- competition in your mind. Yeah, you might have your own show on HBO. Yeah. And all that come, I've got probably a slightly thicker. I'll tell you, mate. I haven't, had, I haven't had any complaints so far <laughs> to my face. <laughs> I genuinely once had, and I've done this as a routine, but I was de- once when I was a single man before I met my beautiful wife. Uh, I was having sex with a woman I'd just recently met, uh, and she was uh, giving me a fellatio. Oh, that's nice. The, 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 <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I thought so. I'd only just met her, we'd become very good friends very quickly. Yeah. And, um, and this I, is much larger than the Steve Burgess. <laughs> and I said to her, uh, Yeah, that's right. And I'm in back. The reason I didn't do this as a routine for ages because I was embarrassed about this bit. I said to her, Yeah, that's right. Suck my big cock. 
And she... This is embarrassing, but that's, you say those things when you're having sex with someone. And then she broke, she broke off from what she was doing with my penis in her hand, looked up at me and said, well, average size cock. <laughs> and I've got a big cock. That's what's... Yeah. Most so, so we've understood... She so just had sex with... That's the thing. She'd had sex... With like ten men with twelve massive twelve fourteen inch cocks from her perspective, my actually above average size penis would seem you've is got it the to let mean this or go, the Richard, you've got is to it, let it go, mate. Is it the mean or the medium she's talking about? Richard, Richard you've got a successful podcast. <laughs> let it go. You've won, mate. You so what, me. What about Ron so. Jeremy? You were saying about Ron you've seen Ron Jeremy do it. Is that the No, I didn't see him do it. He, he told me that he could do it. No, you didn't. <laughs> I didn't. No, did he well, say I, that? I remember what did happened. He, did, he, did he sidle up to you go, I can sidle up By the way, no, I was, in, I was interviewing porn stars for this. There were, Sky TV got hold of some porn outtakes, some porn <laughs> bloopers, <laughs> which was just like naked people coming, you know, going into rooms and going, oh, oh the door won't open. <laughs> just naked, fully naked. That was all, that was all they had. And I've come too soon. <laughs> anyway, so Sky TV thought we can get a couple of TV shows out of this. So they made a show called Porn Crackers. <laughs> and uh, they thought, who do we need to do some field reports in LA? <laughs> Merchant. Yeah. So uh, they got me in, and, um, and I flew to LA, and I interviewed Bron Jeremy, and I interviewed a girl called Devon. Um, who and I remember making a joke about. Um, uh, I remember we were, so the idea was we were watching one of her films, which was her featured in having a sex scene. I was sat next to this girl Devon, and she, I said, um, "When I was growing up, I spent a lot of time in Devon." <laughs> I imagine there's a lot of guys around here who can say the same thing. <laughs> nothing, absolutely nothing. Never, she'd never even heard that it was a place. In she had no idea. And then I am. Um, the really weird thing was we went to this. We went to the suburbs of uh, of LA, and we were interviewing this couple, and they had this this quite nice little sort of three bedroom house. It looked like a you know like a bar at home kind of house, but it had cameras in all the rooms in different places. And um, so I was talking to this woman. I was interviewing this woman next to, and I was sat next to her. And she was every night. She's like a porn star, and she was married to this guy. Uh, but he was like a former NASA scientist. I don't know how they'd met. I didn't, that was the one question I didn't ask. I mean, I don't know where they're mingling. And, um, and I was, she, every night at 7 o'clock, she would go on the webcam. and she would. I'm doing this because this is me typing on the computer. And she would um, talk to her fans, and they would ask questions. And so I was sat next to her, and they were filming me and my team. And this camera was on me. And these people started insulting me on the, uh, on the thing, like, who's this, like, goggly-eyed weirdo? And she was like, oh, it's a British journalist. And they were like, journalist? That was a bit much. But, and, I, and they were like, I don't want to see you. I paid for you. Who's this loser? Fucking loser. So I got really angry, and st- I started writing back, who's the loser? I'm here with the girl that you're paying money to look at. You're sat home with your trousers around your ankles. <laughs> They started abusing me back. And while I'm typing this in, this, this, her husband comes down and he just starts fondling her boobs. Fondling her boobs. Right? And I, it's weird. And they just start kind of kissing and fondling and that. And I'm just sort of like that. <laughs> and they go upstairs. And we're just... Me and my camera team are like, what do we do now? This is a bit strange. And, um, and then the, the husband appears from upstairs. He just appears from, like, sort of the, the, on the landing and just goes, come on up. <laughs> I mean, like, you don't want to be, you don't want to be rude, do you? You don't want to be, you don't want to be polite around porn stars. So we went up there, and uh, she was on the bed going berserk with herself. 
doing, you know, <laughs> and he was filming it, and it was streaming live on the web, right? And he's filming it like that, and she's, Ugh. and we're just looking a bit uncomfortable, you know, just sort of admiring the wallpaper. Like, because you don't want to look directly at it, because, you know, again, that would be Were any bookcases in there? <laughs> lovely bookcases, <laughs> lovely bookcases. I, I wish I hadn't brought my parents with me, that was just uncomfortable. <laughs> and, um... And, um... And, uh... Anyway, so he, he says, I'm going to join in. So he gives, he gives me the camera, he goes, film it, and he jumps on the bed and starts doing her. And now I'm just standing with this camera... <laughs> I've just become a pornographer. I'm now just <laughs> making porn. And I remember thinking that all those guys that had been insulting me are watching this live. So I just pointed the camera at the wall. <laughs> so they're just, all they can hear is like, oh, just distant sounds of the grinding. And, um, and uh, I presume they, I don't know whether they logged off. Is, is that a euphemism? I don't know. But, um... Yeah, that was my experience of... Uh... <laughs> you started describing what, now what is happening. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the audiobook version. Yeah. Uh, but you mustn't judge yourself. I mean, though he is a NASA scientist rather than the porn star. Yeah. Porn stars generally have larger penises sure. than the average man. Can I just, make, can I just like, point yeah. out that a lot of this is jokes. I know. Don't, don't worry too much I'm, about I'm what's just, going not, on there. I'm using you, know? you as a conduit for the many it's, small penis men who If there's any ladies out there, don't podcast. worry, all right? We can take care of business, all right? <laughs> He could take care of business and I could film it. <laughs> I'm an expert. Now, in your show, Hello Ladies, and your stand-up show, Hello Ladies, yeah. same, same title, um, the... the uh, I've just noticed. Uh, the... <laughs> I love being incompetent. As a, it's a joke. It's a very honed character. Should I do, ask a question? Uh, you're incompetent with women, and no, no right. women like you, your character. Right. Is Stuart... Herring or something he's called Stuart it's, it's something like Stuart Rick Pritchard Stuart Pritchard, Stuart Pritchard right. I was thinking it's like Stuart and Richard I don't know if you yeah. blamed it um, done it on Lee and Herring um, I've turned it to my dad uh, my wife's laughing because she knows it's true uh, that can't be true in real life though you must be very successful with women in real life absolute player you're an absolute yeah. player Absolute fucking. It's what I used to do. It's a very good technique. Pretend you're no good. Pretend you have an average size penis. That's quite a hard thing to yeah. do. Uh, pretend, <laughs> pretend you're no good, and then girls like you. You're a, big, you're a millionaire. Yeah. Film star. You're yeah. in the tooth fairy. Film star. <laughs> you're in the tooth fairy. Sure. Because uh, <laughs> yeah. that turns the ladies on. <laughs> you played a fairy. <laughs> it's good. I saw that. Yeah. You and that wrestler guy. Yeah. He's not a wrestler guy, he's the rock. You put him in any film, it makes a fortune, that guy. Fast and the Furious, not making any money, stick the rock in, boom. (laughs) Most successful film in the last couple of years. Julie Andrews is in it? Yes. Do you know know how much money The Sound of Music made? Lots. Yeah, in 1966. But, you know, I bet you're just getting loads of girls, that's what I'm saying. No. Okay. I'm not. No. I. I no. I mean. I. No. I'm not as incompetent as the character or my stand-up. No. But I'm not. Uh, I, I'm not uh, a Lothario. I try to be. I like to be. Yeah. Um, it's the just... ideal age to be a Lothario. I enjoyed that. That. That time. Now. You know. Now I've been with the same person for six years. Well, you're married. That's your problem. Yeah. Now. I look That's back where and you're go, going oh. wrong. But luckily, I chose the right. You've got to get out of that. About at about forty, forty-one, because it all stops working. Yeah. And you get unattractive. 
my wife's very good looking. Sure. And I trapped her and got her just at the Clever. right moment. Yeah. yeah. So just when you're 40, and now she's stuck, she can't get out of it. There's no, there's no way out. There's no way out. And yeah. I, you know, I can't Off the it. pit. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what you've got to do. So you've got a couple of years yeah. of uh, putting about. That's my advice to you. Thank you. That's very okay. generous of you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. The audience don't like to think of you as a sexual being. No, that's no, why, I know. No, that's no why this is, there's this uncomfortable silence. Not because but, uh, the I've problem, just been the, What's happened is that I've, I've, I've cultivated this image of being a uh, loser with women so much that it is now impacting on my real life. Because <laughs> now, like, if, if I actually got to a woman, she's like, oh, that's weird. You know what I mean? Because I've pr- created this illusion that, yeah. I, that I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Whereas... <laughs> yeah. I mean... I don't know why I did that. What's that? I mean... That's wiping the ice cream off your back. (laughs) (laughs) That's just like, it just makes me look like, what's his name from Wallace and Gromit? (laughs) Oh, and I was in, you did uh, the Steve show on Six Music, but that that started in Radio Warwick when you were a student, presumably. Right, yes. Uh, And uh, you you, uh, suckled milk from a cow's udder. No, no, no. You did. Oh. It says Someone else Wikipedia. asked me this recently because of the because uh, of their thorough research on Wikipedia. Uh, no, what happened was it's, it's sourced did... and everything. Is citation is not needed. Sure, it goes I... to a link which explains what that was about. I checked it thoroughly. Okay, and I... you did do it. <laughs> I've su- I've sucked milk. I'll tell you so you feel comfortable. I've drunk drunk milk out of a goat's uh, teat directly. Okay. We've already established you're a pervert. <laughs> all right, that's fine. <laughs> Um, I have never suckled cow's teats. This is what happened. Ricky, when we used to do radio, uh, used to make jokes that his friend Robin Ince, who you probably know and who has done stand-up comedy for years, and he was excellent, he used to make jokes that Robin had suckled milk from teats (laughs) of animals for some Ricky reason. Uh, Somehow, this has become, I did it on on my student radio. That's the reality. Wikipedia. Yeah. Well, is this one, did you give... To attempt to give away an Aerosmith album to people on a toilet? Pop, that sounds more like the sort of thing you would think. Yes, yeah, yeah. That kind of crazy antic. Did you do a sketch about At Home with Fred and Rose West? Yes, yes. <laughs> All right, we were students! <laughs> I didn't realise it was distasteful. I was trying to be irreverent, but it, it was... It was before the, it had come out what they were yeah. doing. Yeah. <laughs> We just had insider information because we were from the West Country. <laughs> you wonder why not all the team were coming back from the visit. Yeah. Uh, so, you... <laughs> yeah, that's right, I went there. Um, you were in Blockbusters. I've seen you on Blockbusters. Do you mean I was in Blockbusters? You saw me in the videos called Blockbusters. <laughs> in I 19... was on Blockbusters. On 1997, yes. but not with Bob Holmes. No, it was a, it was a, really it count, was a, it? a version where they brought it back with Bob You were Holmes. quite old. Why were you on It's for Children? <laughs> you were like 23 or something. Well, what had happened was my friend had been on it years before when it was students, and he said it was the, the best time of his life, and he had just had like a rock and roll decadent time. Not with Holmes, but just you know, with all the other contestants. They just ran amok in a hotel, going crazy, getting drunk. And they were, said they were bringing it back, but for like people of all ages, like anyone could apply. And I remember thinking, this will be great. You know, I'll I'll just go into Manchester where they film it, and I'll just run a mock in in the hotel with all the other cool quiz show contestants. And obviously, when I got there, I was like 22 or whatever, and then everyone else was sort of 60 plus, and it was very hard to get them to get drunk in the bar uh, or or get off with them. 
Um, so, yeah, it wasn't as exciting as did I Aspel, Did Aspel come to the bar? I, I never saw Aspel at the bar. No, he kept, he kept a distance, yeah. you know, to remain aloof. He's, yeah. he's, I wonder what's happened to Michael Aspel. He's just got too old, I guess, has he? I didn't keep in touch with him. <laughs> I didn't stay in I won. I got three questions right. It was pathetic. It was a shameful he appearance. He started well. I thought he's going to win. And started then that well. was pretty much it. You went to yeah. two girls. Right. Just, yeah, girls get, are smart as well, Richard. You didn't, you didn't get you can to, win contests. There's two of them. It's not a fair contest. It's not a fair fight, yeah. um, You didn't get a gold run. My friend Ben Moore got five gold runs yeah. on the original well, with Bob Holness. He they went to America and met Mr. T. Was that his prize? Well, he, I, think he actually, I think he went to Universal Studios and met Mr. T Mr. in T Universal Studios. Working there. I think so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine uh, he was properly working there. Oh, it's been going on a long time, hasn't it? You're tired. I'm tired. Uh, we're going to press on, though. I'll get you seemed on. a lot more respectful to Simon. I was. <laughs> He's in Star Trek. You're in sure. the fucking Tooth Fairy. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> You're not even the main Tooth Fairy. If you were the, if you were the main Tooth Fairy, I, was a friend of the I tooth would take fairy. you more seriously. <laughs> sure. I enjoyed the Tooth Fairy. Yeah. Um, I Why were you watching the Tooth Fairy? It's for kids. <laughs> you cre- creepy man, aren't you? You already are. I'm a big fan of watching... Has anyone seen this wife of yours? (laughs) You're in movie 43, which I haven't seen. That's not a good film. (laughs) But again, like, you know, Simon was saying, you know, you you do things because they're sort of fun for yourself, like, as opposed to... I mean, I... Peter Farrelly of the Farrelly Brothers phoned me up and he said, do you want to do a film... Do you want to do a sketch? It'll take two days. Do you want to do a sketch where you're in... on a date with Halle Berry? Well, I mean, I said yes before he'd finished Hallie. I was like, how? And I knew it was going to be, and boom. And obviously, and so I went there, and, and it was great. And I stared at her. <laughs> I worked with her for two days, and it was great fun. I had a blast, you know. And I didn't know that it was going to be in this weird film with loads of weird sketches. It was, there was, I'm trying to remember what it was now, just reminding me something about that film, that they were really trying to get someone big in it, and then they... Talking about there, there's hordes, there was, yeah, yeah. like, Hugh Jackman was in it, and Richard Gere was in it, and Kate Winslet. Didn't I mean, they get was... Richard Gere in it by agreeing to film the, move the studio across America? I don't know. They spent this, a lot of money on it. But it, it made, it, again, it was like, it was over two years, and they were just, I mean, I didn't know what it was, they just said, do a sketch, I was like, yeah, yeah sure, that would be fun, yeah. I'm not blaming blame you. It's not, it's not like you've done a Barclay card advert or whatever Barclays advert. Uh, so, <laughs> God, the audience hate me now. I tell you, I've, I've really lost them. Uh, I'm going to ask you some more serious questions about uh, comedy now. Oh, okay. Be respectful and slightly disrespectful at the same time. I really loved the first series of extras, like more than The Office. Right. Okay. Uh, why did you choose to? Ch- I mean, it felt like the second series was a different sitcom. Yeah. It felt like you could have just started with something completely different because it wasn't any more about extras. Right. Because they all became successful. Right. It felt to me there was a lot more uh, mileage still yeah. in having them as ex- having them as sort of failures, but then they all became sort of successful. Uh, well, it just seemed like it was a little interesting to explore the idea of like someone who's been struggling up the chain and then he gets up the chain... And then seeing what what happens to him once he gets once he gets there, and, and kind of how he's corrupted by it, and that just seemed interesting. I mean, I apologise if you didn't enjoy it, yeah, but I, I just it. at the time it's seemed interesting. It. You know. Wrecked it for me. Yeah. Well, also I kind of thought about. Um, I mean, I've, 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 there's really really fun. I think in the first series of extras, there's three bits in it that made me cry, cry laughing. Like I thought I was not going to be able to stop laughing, yeah. and I was going to die. Sure. <laughs> 
Uh, there's things like, I mean, the things that when you get the, the celebrities, Patrick Stewart being, and people being rude and stuff, is very, very good. But it seemed to me that um, the guy, uh, that Andy Millman, yeah. he, uh, I don't know, it's sort of, it, you had to change the whole emphasis of everything because the other guy, the guy who has been, had one line in the bill, had to then become the world's most successful actor again so that you still beat him. Right. It seemed to me that if you wrote a sitcom for the BBC, that, um, the thing they would do is say, you can't be in it, not that we're going to change the whole thing. Well, I think the idea was more that they, that, that he, that they liked it, but that, that kind of through the process, they slowly kind of chipped away at what his idea was. Yeah. Uh, and it was sort of, it was kind of, be careful what you wish for, was the sort of theme of it. Um, again, I can only apologise for disappointing <laughs> you so much. Uh, but I, I would say contend... at this point that I'm just kind of interested in the process of it, because I, it felt like you could take those characters on as failures... Yeah, for like well, you a lot could. Yeah, you could, but yeah. I mean, we didn't. No, <laughs> uh, but it's more than that. It's more than that. It's simply that you know, we I, I, when we're writing, we were just. I guess we were just. We wanted to give ourselves something different. Like it just seemed yeah. to to do it again was to sort of do it again, and that, that somehow we could change it a bit, maybe, and and that would be interesting. And um, you know, I apologise, but you made uh, a, you made he a still has the you made a bad mistake. Well, sure, but. Um, <laughs> But, uh, I'm joking, fuck off, what's wrong with you people? <laughs> I'm just kind of interested. I'll tell you I'll what I'll do, I'll send all scripts in future to you uh, beforehand. Did you hear about my idea done. about Simon Pegg? I could do one Simon Pegg, square peg in a round hole. Yeah, I've Would always wanted to do, do one called Merchant's Navy, where yeah. I have a navy. That's it, I haven't come up with the rest. But fill, feel free to fill in the blanks. But don't fuck it up on series two. <laughs> If you had to choose, if you had to choose between having a tit that dispensed talcum powder yeah. and a finger that could travel through time, yeah. you can have one of those things. Yeah. If you have any uh, questions uh, about what, what they would be, do feel free to join. The tit is like a breast. Yeah. You squeeze it and talcum powder comes out. Now think of that. Just well, like, I don't really think, use talcum powder, right? You could share the talcum powder with the poor children. <laughs> right. Though if you saw like a lady changing Is that what they need? Poor children? Yeah. Talking powder? <laughs> it's one of the things they need. Yeah. They're not they washing, could... presumably, these poor children, <laughs> these orphans. They could they could sell the talcum powder right. and for basic provisions. Or the finger could travel through time and can do you know, it can do yeah, touch stuff. But I don't, I don't, I can't see where it is. No, you can look. I reckon you can look. <laughs> I haven't thought that. I haven't oh, okay. thought that. Like, go in there and you can look. <laughs> I can peer through <laughs> and so, the hole. Yeah. And you'd be able to say, right, finger, you know, Berlin, 1945. Oh, oh, my eye. I, my, my, my eye. <laughs> And, and why am I going to Berlin 1945 <laughs> when the war has ended? <laughs> so he's like, I just want to see the rubble. <laughs> so never, That's you know, a very specific There's not much you can do, but you can just, you know, go, hey, Hitler. And can, hey. I, can I, <laughs> I can give Hitler the finger or I can just beckon <laughs> to, to people, to Goebbels, to come closer <laughs> and then poke him in the eye. <laughs> I mean, it's clearly better than this yeah. talking about a full of Clearly, I mean, it's, it's a no-brainer, isn't it? Yeah. It is, but it's, an inter- it's still an interesting question. It's not, though, is it, really? <laughs> <And> it costs... <laughs> Don't come here criticising my questions. 
I've worked very hard on these questions. How dare you say they're not good? Oh, I like your second series of questions more. <laughs> I really like the second series. Fuck of off! Don't... That's the one with the David Bowie song. That's a funny. That's yeah. a funny. Song. All right. Self-indulgent. Uh, so. Self-indulgent. <laughs> Jesus Christ. How long have we been here? <laughs> Um, I will get on to something else. Look, I would, 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 There's I more? I, I just I can't leave it on this. You know, I've, you've been so nice. And I've, you know, we had so much fun. And I feel I've spoiled the dog. <laughs> I've got overexcited and tired at the end. I've spoiled the whole day with my serious questions. If I'd just stuck to, you know, suckling cows. Have you ever seen a ghost? No. <laughs> Are you sure? No one's ever seen a ghost. People think they've seen ghosts, but they were mistaken. <laughs> Sorry to ruin it for you guys. I, once, I did used to do this radio show on the BBC World Service, all the glamorous jobs. And um, there was a man once, they, they brought him in to interview him, and he, and he had invented a machine that could, that could tell you if ghosts had been in the room. <laughs> and everyone on the show took it completely seriously, 100% serious. And he had this machine, and it was like homemade, and it had two lights on it, green and red. And he would leave it in the studio overnight, and then the next morning we interviewed him on the show. And, and, I, and I said, how does the... So what happens? He said, if there's a ghost, if there's been any ghostly presence, then the green light will light up. Green light lit up, obviously. And I went, how did that work? And he said, he said well, if there's a ghost, it lights up. I know. I said, I understand that. I understand that. But, 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 but how? He went, well, a ghost coming. I went, I know, I understand, I understand. And obviously, he never satisfactorily explained. And I said, so you, you, this doesn't prove ghosts, does it? It just proves you've made a box that can light up. And he went, well, here's the proof. Um, I was in bed. And a ghost appeared at the end of my bed. And he said, I'm a sea captain from this ship. And it sank in 18... Da-da-da. And I went to the library and I looked it up and it had. And everyone went, ooh. <laughs> And I went, okay, thanks for that. And you can, that's it, you can argue with someone's claim that they've seen a ghost. Yeah, that's pretty good evidence. That's solid evidence. But Did I, he ever take the box into a room and it, the green light didn't never, come on? Never. There's always a ghost. There's always, There's always a ghost. It's not a very useful uh, thing. All right, look, we'll, uh, Oliver Tribe, who's from Wales, I'm guessing, has asked you a question. Yeah. This will be a bit nicer than the questions I've been asking. How did you feel when you won your BAFTAs? <laughs> Uh, which is something I'd quite like to know, because it's probably not going to happen to me. I don't think they do BAFTAs for uh, cock jokes yet. Um, it was good. Yeah. It was nice. It was fun. Yeah, yeah it was nice. It was good. I, I do it all for awards. That's the whole reason. Yeah, good. So um, that was very satisfying. But was there a downside to it? Not winning them for extras. No. <laughs> or do you not? Not Series 2? Series 1 must have won. I think, Ricky, no, I think Ricky won. Ricky won as an actor, and, I, and he wasn't in town, and I had to collect it for him, <laughs> having also been nominated. <laughs> and, they made, and I didn't realise, and, and I was at the BAFTAs, and they went, the nominees are Steve Merchant, Ricky Gervais, whoever else. <laughs> and the winner is Ricky Gervais. Coming to the stage to collect it, Steve Merchant. <laughs> I was like, no one had checked this with me, and I had to go up there and kind of give an impromptu speech and not seem angry or bitter. It's very bizarre. I once had that with um, Stuart, one of Chaucer. He's on a different level, much higher. Chaucer Awards. 
uh, and he couldn't go, and he made he made me go up and get it. And I'd never won. I've never, in fact, I've never accepted an award because I have then won some chortle awards. Don't get jealous. Uh, and but I've never been around to collect them. So the only award I've ever collected is an award for Stuart Lee oh. being the best stand-up. Oh. That's why I've turned out like I have. It's terrible. But, you know, you must know a bit what it's like, you know, having uh, actually less funnier but much more successful comedy partner who everyone lords. In, he, that, in, lord. that, in that comment, you're trying to get me to agree <laughs> to badmouth both Stuart Lee and Ricky yeah. Gervais. <laughs> I'm not biting me. Do you think you're better at comedy than Ricky Gervais? No. Wow. <laughs> then how can we trust your judgement on anything <laughs> uh, it's been mainly fun right This has been, we've mainly had a good time it's been like Parkinson <laughs> if Parkinson had Parkinson's and, and was just mean have you ever seen a tooth fairy in real no <laughs> ladies and gentlemen Stephen Merchant Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thanks for listening. RichardHerring.com slash gigs. GoFasterStripe.com for all my books, downloads, all that sort of shizzle. Oh, yeah, I know all the cool words. And um, would love to see you on the, on the Can I Have My Ball Back tour if you can make it. Bye. <laughs>